Welcome to the Total Wealth Academy radio show, where wealth includes much more than just money. It includes family, fitness, romance, and all the other parts of a balanced life. Listen and learn how 70% of the millionaires in America made their money using real estate. Now your host, real estate investor and consultant, Steve Davis. Hello and welcome to the Total Wealth Academy radio show. I am your host, Steve Davis, where we're here, all, as always, you know, working to improve our financial IQ. It is so important to recognize that it is a thing and it is not taught in high school and very seldom is it taught, and you've got to know which courses to take, very seldom is it taught in college. This is something you have to learn on your own. If you don't know what NOI is, ROI, IRR, ARR, um, COI, if all those acronyms just went right past you, you are never going to get in the financial position that you want to be in. And there's so much, much more beyond what I just talked about that it's unbelievable. But the good news is there are literally thousands of books, hundreds of podcasts and radio shows that will teach you this stuff if you'll just get out there and invest some time in it. Stop mowing your own lawn. (laughs) Not some of you going, what the heck is Steve talking about? Stop mowing your own lawn. What are you saving, 30, 40 bucks a week? Here's what you do. In that two and a half, three hours, let somebody else mow your lawn and you grab a book, watch a video on how to make more money. You will never miss that 30, 40 dollars a week. But if you do that, multiply that times 52. Let me do it real quick. 52 times, let's say it's three hours to do it. That's 156 hours of training on wealth building. Do you think you're not going to be a different person if you do that? Stop cleaning your pool. Stop watching the news. Stop, 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 you know, watch sports twice a week, not six, seven times a week. Focus on making more money. And you will be amazed that you will do it. It will happen. But you have to invest the time improving your financial IQ. And I truly appreciate you listening to my radio show. Um, Just do it. And what ends up happening is you end up making more money. It's, It's not a question of if. It's a question of when. You know, Total Wealth Academy is an educational and coaching program where that's what we do. We educate our members financially to help them build a second stream of income with real estate. And they're investing in everything from single-family houses to big apartment complexes, self-storage complexes. I've got a guest today who is a master of self-storage. Um senior living, RV parks, mobile home parks, hotels. We're not doing it, but people don't realize this, but even hospitals, there's passive investors in hospitals. 
they flip them just like that. They flip hospitals just like we do apartment complexes. It's crazy. So please realize you do have a financial IQ. It's either low or high. And focus on getting that IQ higher. Um, the guest I'm bringing on today, John Manis, is one of the most wonderful people I've ever met. Um, he is honest, hardworking, competent, and caring. And what I mean by that, he cares about every one of his tenants. He cares about every one of his partners. He cares about his family. He's just a high-quality person. And he, um, I don't want to embarrass the guy, but I'm, I'm going, probably going to. But when he did a deal a couple of years ago, maybe it's a year and a half, he almost teared up in my office. And he wasn't just bragging about how much money he made. He was bragging about how much money he made as investors. That's when you know a guy gets it. That it's, there are multiple stakeholders in any deal. You've got your employees, you've got your tenants, you've got your partners, you've got your contractors. There's all kinds of people that rely on this business to succeed, and he thinks about all of them. So I'm thoroughly impressed and happy to bring on John Manis. John, thanks a lot for calling in. How are you today? Good afternoon, Steve. <laughs> you doing all right? I'm doing great, buddy. Good to hear it. I sure appreciate you coming on the show today. Well, um, I hope I, I hope I can live up to all that that you just said. So, um, <laughs> just be holy yourself. Holy. Just yep, be yourself, you. and uh, you will. Um, would you do me a favor? Tell yes, the listeners what got you motivated. How did you get started on your own out there building wealth with self-storage? So I spent 17 years in the retail industry. I always say like the Walmarts and Kmarts of the world, even though I never worked for them, I worked for a lot of regional players. Um, And I just got burnt out. And in 2005, uh, me and my wife quit our jobs with no jobs and moved to this little town called Bernie, Texas. And at 36 years old, I moved in with my mom and uh, wow. tried, to, tried to decide what I wanted to do with my life. And um, I knew I wanted to be on the multi-store level um, instead of going to a single office or a single store in retail every day. So I started to apply to things like regional manager of multifamily or general manager of three warehouses. And I applied to a district manager's job of self-storage. And it just so happened that um, it was the fourth largest self-storage company in the United States. They were Uncle Bob's back then. They're now Life Storage and I think soon to be extra space because they're merging. But uh, I landed a district manager's job with them. Did so well, they promoted me to regional vice president of the company. And as a reward, they moved me to Buffalo, New York. <laughs> and um, so I was an RVP for them. Got fired from there. 
ended up here in Houston for one of the regional players that had 55 self-storage properties. Got fired from there <laughs> and uh, ended up creating my own company. March 15th was six years ago, and we've done, we just closed on our 40 first self-storage property today. Wow, congratulations. 41. That's 41. amazing. Yep, over $200 million worth of storage in six years. Now, when you got fired, was it, did you expect it? Was it unexpected? Um, tell me about it's that. time. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it, the reason I say it was kind of expected is because I always want more. I always strive for more. I'm never happy with where I'm at. So, um, you know, when you're in corporate America, that kind of intimidates the people around you and above you. So, um, you know, I, I kind of knew going in that at some point that I would overstay my welcome. Um, but I, I knew it was coming when, when they bring you in the office and sit you down and write you up and tell you to shut up. So, uh, so probably 30, 60 days before that, on each time I got fired, I, I knew it was coming. So when you you knew it was coming, you, you went ahead and let it happen. You had big goals. At what point did you say enough's enough? Was it after the second where you said, no, I'm doing this on my own? So it's interesting because I always say that um, – when, when I got fired from Uncle Bob's, um, I say they taught me how to run storage. Like I learned the operational aspect of that. And then when I went to the regional player here in Houston, they taught me how to underwrite properties and look at them from a value standpoint and then fix them up or what I call, they taught me how to buy them and fix them up. So when I got fired from uh, the company here in Houston, um, I called my brother the next day and I said, Hey, you know, I got fired yesterday. And I always say he did what any good brother would do. He didn't say, well, what are you going to do? Um, how can I help you as, um, you know, do you need anything? That's not what he said. He actually said, congratulations. And I said, what? <laughs> he said, congratulations. This is the biggest opportunity of your life. You've got everything lined up. What are you waiting for? And I said, what am I waiting for? He said, nothing. Go do it. And it was the biggest kick in the butt that I've ever needed from somebody that I admire in my brother. That yeah, that, that is awesome. To succeed. Hold on, John. we got to go to break. Give me about four minutes and we'll be back. This is the Total Wealth Academy radio show. Thanks for listening. If you have money in an IRA, 401k, or other retirement account, you can use it to invest passively in real estate without tax or penalty. Our average rate of return is three times that of the stock market and mutual funds with much less volatility. If you have over $70,000, you can start passive investing today. Please attend our free sample class to learn more. Go to TotalWealthAcademy.com. That's TotalWealthAcademy.com for reservations. Thank you.
Welcome back to the Total Wealth Academy radio show. I'm your host, Steve Davis, along with my special guest, John Manez. He is a sponsor or syndicator with Total Wealth Academy. He's one of the members at Total Wealth Academy, somebody that if you were a member of Total Wealth Academy, you could invest with in his next self-storage complex. So let's bring him back on. We're talking about what ended up turning out to be the best day of his life. It started off as one of the worst, being fired from his job, but ended up being the best day of his life because of his brother. Now, tell me a little bit about your brother. Is he an entrepreneur as well? Uh, Joe works in the medical industry. He he sells respiratory care equipment, but he's got an entrepreneurial mindset. Um, him and my brother James both have uh, done passive investments as well as um, been very, very entrepreneurial for, through their years. We, we get our work ethic from my stepfather, and uh, we've all been pretty much workaholics our whole life. So we, we, we've spent a lot of time, what you said in your intro, is trying to work on our financial blueprint so that we can change our upbringing. Um, growing, up, growing up poor, um, we knew we didn't like being poor. So we had to figure it out. Yeah, I remember, you know, this seems like a simple story, but I remember when Star Wars came out in 77, and they there were these little three-and-a-half-inch action figures, and I wanted all of them because I was a Star Wars freak, still am. And I remember that look on my mother's face when she had to tell me no. And it was gut-wrenching. But that was one of the motivating factors for me I stopped asking for stuff because I knew they couldn't afford it. And I said, I, I never want to be in that position where something is, you know, as simple as a toy you can't afford. So there's a, that, that's a, interesting how being poor when you grow up, people will say, look, he grew up poor. That's why he's poor. To me, it was motivating because I did not want to live that way. So is that kind of what you're saying? That was not well, part of the motivation? It's so, funny. it's so funny you say that because um, I'm going to date myself. Back when I was a kid, um, Converse All-Star Chucks, Chuck yeah, Taylors were a cool thing, right? And they were, like, they were like $12 a pair. They were canvas. And the Nike Swish came out. And they were 30 bucks. And we'd go to Kmart in New Jersey to buy sneakers for school. And mom would say, look, I got enough money for the $12. I don't have enough money for the $30. So me and Joe would go out, mow lawns, shovel snow, pull weeds out of people's gardens, whatever it took to collect up the other 18 bucks so that we could wear Nikes to school instead of Chuck Taylors. <laughs> so, now that's a really valuable lesson, how you took oh yeah. action and you got, you hit your goal. Um, which goes back to the, the being fired. You know, when I got my pay cut, worst day of my life, I thought. Um, but that, that phrase that what does not kill you only makes you stronger 
you can turn anything negative into a positive just with your attitude, optimism, and moving forward, being proactive. And that's what you did. How well, soon after the fire firing before my, you got your first deal? Yeah. My my brother Joe quoted something years ago that I, that I put on the back of my book. I just recently released a book called The Working Class Guide to Building Wealth with Self-Storage. And on the back of the book, he made this quote that I put on my refrigerator for many, many years. And the quote was, the pain of the same has to be greater than the pain of the change. Mm-hmm. And that resonated with me so bad from when we were kids is the pain of being poor made it so much easier to change that by focusing my energy and my actions on trying to grow wealth. And I do that to this day. Whatever I achieve at a certain level, I look at that and I make it painful for myself that that's not enough so that the change of doing better is easier. Yeah, that that's really powerful. I actually wrote that down. Pain of the same has to be greater than the pain of change. Did I get that right? That's correct. Yep. Yeah, that's powerful. Now, go over the name of your book again because I'm in the middle of it, and I'm really sure. enjoying it, especially the, the fact that you added stories about your personal life, not just here's how you do it, here's why you should do it. So it's a pretty powerful book. Called the Working Class Guide to Building Wealth with Self Storage, A Path from Rags to Riches. It's on Amazon Books right now. It's the number one commercial real estate release in the last two weeks. Um, and it, to your point, it tells the story of us growing up poor. Like, I'll give you something that I tell people is every Wednesday night, we used to go trash picking because that was trash night. And we would find some great stuff in the trash that people would throw away. This is, this is how poor we were. And I, I take great pride in it now because it really made me who I am. And we found a dryer in the trash. We took it home. My stepfather put a new belt on it. And for the first time ever, we had a dryer in the basement, so we didn't have to hang clothes in the basement in the winter and in the backyard in the summer. <laughs> well, fast forward a couple months, and his battery died on his van, and he couldn't get to work. So he sold our neighbor the dryer so that he had enough money to buy a battery so he could get to work. And that story's in the book because that is one of the things that people, when you're trying to build wealth and you're trying to get ahead, you have to sacrifice certain things. You know, cut off the cable bill, cut off anything and everything you can, and then compound whatever you have in order to, like you were saying in the intro, not sit on the sofa and watch TV every night for three or four hours because you don't have cable anymore. Use that money to go compound it so that you can gain a better financial freedom and that's what my stepfather taught us as kids. I got to tell you a story, John. You may, I may, you may have heard me say this on the radio, but there was a member who had literally every toy on the planet. He sold everything 
two jet skis, two motorcycles, a Corvette, a pickup truck, his house. He downsized, went to a house that was like half as much, invested. He now lives in a bigger house, has a nice, not a Ferrari, a Lamborghini. He, the poor and middle class do it backwards. They buy the toys first, and yep. then there's no money left over to buy the income-producing assets. You've got to buy the income-producing assets first, and some people have gone so deep into toys, they don't have any money left. So you are you are absolutely right. Sometimes you just got to take a couple of steps back to take, you know, is it take two steps back to take three steps forward or something like that? Well, when I moved to San Antonio to Bernie, um, I literally gave up everything. I had dial-up internet for eight bucks a month. <laughs> Talk about painful. Um, I literally gave up everything. I went and bought a 1984 Nissan Sentra with no air conditioning in San Antonio, Texas. Drove it for nine months because it got 44 miles to the gallon because Sweet. Uncle Bob's paid me 55 cents a mile. I made $12,000 on that car driving around sweating my butt off and used that $12,000 along with my bonus and my paycheck to build a house cash out of pocket. That house cash out of pocket gave me a net worth enough to sign on debt to buy my first self-storage property. That Unbelievable. Self, that self-storage property made me $1.8 million, all because I was willing to drive around in an 84 Nissan Sentra and sweat my butt off because I wanted it back. Man, that's great. We got to go to break. Give me about four minutes and we'll be back, John. Uh, this is the Life, uh, the uh, Total Wealth Academy radio show. Thanks for listening. The stock market was never designed to build wealth. It was designed to keep up with inflation. The average rate of return over the last 75 years is about 7%. You'll get that even with the ups and downs. If you want a higher rate of return and less volatility, consider real estate. We make about three times as much as the stock market. Please attend our free sample class to learn more. Go to TotalWealthAcademy.com. That is TotalWealthAcademy.com for reservations. Thank you. Welcome back to the Total Wealth Academy radio show. I am your host, Steve Davis, along with my special guest, uh, self-storage master, John Manis. And a couple of you emailed me. Um, your first step, if you're thinking about becoming a member of Total Wealth Academy because you would like to invest with people like John, is to go to the free sample class. Go to TotalWealthAcademy.com, TotalWealthAcademy.com. Click on that free sample class button. That is the first step. It's a one and a half hour, it's actually less than that, workshop that goes over how we build wealth with real estate, why we're making three to four times as much as the stock market, and 15, it actually covers about 15 different principles of investing that will literally improve your financial IQ dramatically. So go to TotalWealthAcademy.com and click on the free sample class button there. So, John, let's talk about um, a deal that you've done in the last four or five years that's full circle. 
do you have one in your head that you'd like to talk about? Um, I think the biggest one is we rolled up a big portfolio and, um, of 14 properties and sold it to one of the publicly traded REITs. And, um, in, yeah, let's talk about that one. You know, how much capital did you raise? Um, what'd you return to the investors? Give us an overview of the deal. So we put, we put $50 million worth of debt on those. We raised about $30 million. So we had 80 million in, and we sold all of them for 115 million. The average return on an IRR to investors across the portfolio was 35%. Man, that is crazy. Now, some of the people that got in the in, at the very end of your assemblage even got a higher rate of return because they were only in for a year and they got something like a 90% rate of return. Yeah. So they, uh, they got in, it was nine months that we owned those two properties. They got in right at the end and we threw them in with the portfolio, so to speak. And they got a 123% return on their investment. If you annualize it yeah. from the nine months to the 12 months. So they got, I think it was somewhere in the nineties. If you just, take the basic nine, but if you annualize it, it was like 123%. Yeah, I'm glad you said it twice because I know that some listeners were going, did he just say 123% rate of return? You said it twice. I'll say it again, 123% equivalent rate of return. And this is, while rare, it's, it's happening. You know, I've seen thousands of deals, thousands of syndications, and it happens way more often than you think, especially if you pick up stuff in a down market. We're talking about right now, um, a lot of apartments are being sold for 20% below what they were selling for just two years ago. That is a tremendous opportunity. The, that, the, those rates of return are going to be 30 40% for the investors in those deals. So what are you seeing with self-storage? Um, is self-storage staying about the same? Are you seeing a little softening? What's going on? So I, I think it's taken the brokers a little time to catch up with the market. And, and even in some cases, a lot of times I catch up with the market. Um, I'm still seeing a mix of um, deals that are overpriced, I'll say, Twenty-five percent of what's coming out is overpriced, um, but I'm also seeing a lot of price reduced uh, email blasts and so on. So I think storage is a little different, and I'm not trying to pick on your multifamily guys, but um, we're we're a little bit more recession resistant than what the multifamily, single family, and office things like that are. And, and simply put is when that wave of um, distressed assets come on board, the people that were in renting the multifamily take their stuff and they store it with us. So yep. storage is good in good times, but it's also good in bad times as well. And because of that, there's there's been this flight of capital over the last 
10 to 15 years into storage. The biggest problem with the flight of capital of big money is most of these transact between three, five million, eight million, maybe 10 million. Um, and these guys want to do 100, 200, 300 million dollar deals. And you have to round up a whole bunch of them to get to that point. And a lot of the big money doesn't want to do that work. Beauty of that for me is what I call us a middle trader is I go buy the mom and pop, the value add, clean it up, fix it up, lease it up. And then I sell it to those guys in a bigger portfolio and they pay more for it because they want to, they don't want to go do the work that me and my investors want to go do. So what I'm seeing now is even more people coming into storage from a capital standpoint because they're running away from those other assets. You know, supply and demand is the more yep. supply of money that comes in our industry. The prices just really don't change. So I'm seeing a little bit of weakness, um, and I think I'll see more of that in the future. Um, it's based on where we're heading. But the good news is, I mean, my rents are still up year over year. So, Yeah, I think, and you brought this up, but you taught me this a few years ago, that in 2008, 9, 10, 11, as people were losing these 3,000, 4,000 square foot homes that they never should have been in to begin with, they they were moving into 4,000 square, moving from 4,000 square feet down to a 1,500 square foot apartment. They had to do something with all their stuff, so they went to see you, and your rents increased, your occupancy increased in a down market. That's just people need to be aware of that. That, but the, if you're if you're truly going for financial literacy and financial freedom, then get rid of the stuff <laughs> and don't pay me rent. But anyway, <laughs> well, I can tell you this, and I, this is my own stupidity. I was playing paying a hundred dollars a month to store about two thousand dollars worth of Christmas gear, right? Yep. I did that for five years. Yep. Two thousand dollars worth of gear, and I paid fifty six thousand dollars in storage on it. Yep. Crazy. I love but people you. are doing it. I got a couple of spaces if you want to rent them. <laughs> I bet you do. <laughs> no, I figured that one out, buddy. I don't do that anymore. Oh, by the way, anybody, if you've got a question for John or myself, please give us a call, 281-558-5738, 281-558-KSEV, or like a few of you have done, email me, it's steve at totalwealthacademy.com, steve at totalwealthacademy.com. Anonymous asks, what's the minimum amount of pa a passive investor can invest with you, John? So we, we offer $50,000 units. Um, so, you know, if you're doing a million dollar raise, you got 20 units. Um, but there's also some reality there that we try to take care of our investors. Um, you know, there's the whole non-accredited, accredited rule, all that things. Um, so we typically will we'll do a half a unit to some people, like $25,000. And then, um, you know, if you're a long-term investor with me and there's one of my 
buddies who's done like nine deals with me always calls me and goes, Hey, what's the scraps that you have left? Cause you know, the <laughs> next, the next raise is like 768,000. So you got an $18,000 quote partial unit left. So there's, there's sometimes like we have one or two half units, but most of the time it's 50. Yeah. I've let people in for less than 50. Um, and I swear, they're the most grateful when you yes. give them a good return. They're the ones that give you a hug. They're the ones that it's, – it's actually very rewarding um, to let the small investors in because they're so darn grateful. They're just wonderful people, but they just haven't saved the money. You know, like you, like you said, they got every toy in the world and no cash in the bank. Yep. All right, phone lines are open, 281 281- Five five eight five seven three eight two eight one five five eight K S E V. Oh, is that the music to go to break? Yeah, it is. Okay, John, hold on about four minutes, and we'll be back here on the Total Wealth Academy Radio Show. Thanks for listening. It's an old joke. When is the best time to buy real estate? Twenty years ago. When is the second best time? Today. And this is truer than ever with the impending recession and the correction that's going on right now. Real estate investors are going to make millions of dollars in the next few years because of the recession. You should take advantage of it as well. To find out how, please attend our free sample class to learn more. Go to TotalWealthAcademy.com. TotalWealthAcademy.com. Just click on the free sample class button. Thank you. Welcome back to the Total Wealth Academy Radio Show. I'm your host, Steve Davis, along with my special guest, John Manis. John Manis is an incredible self-storage um, sponsor or general partner. I think you you, need, you know you always hear me talking about the passive investors because that's the majority of the people. But the leaders of the deal are the leader of the deal is the general partner. The Limited partners are the passive investors. They're limited partners. The general partner, he's the one that locates the deal, negotiates the deal, underwrites the deal, does the due diligence, signs for the mortgage, manages the deal, and eventually handles the sale of the deal. And the passive investors, they just get their checks quarterly, annually. And of course, when there's an event like a refinance or a sale, they get a giant check. Uh, John, have you done any refinances or are yours all just purchase, hold, and sell? Um, I'll say we've done a hybrid of that where we've gone in and added enough value to a property that we then can do an expansion to that property with a bank note instead of raising more equity. And then reposition it again for a second time and we've done that three or four times already to where you know if you're building for 60 70 dollars a square foot you're exiting for 125 130 dollars a square foot and you're using just bank money and not equity in the money it's just compounding the compound that you already created so we've not done a quote refinance but we always look to add value in a way that benefits the investor. 
So is that just considered a supplemental loan? Um, yeah, so the ones that we've done, the same bank that did the primary would then come in and do a secondary construction loan, and then when construction's done, they roll it into a master loan of both combined. Wow. And then what's – so these were self-storage complexes where they had – say two acres, but only an acre was built out, something like that. So you built out the other acreage? That's correct. And what's the biggest project you've ever done? Um, I've, I owned 173,000 square foot in Nacogdoches, Texas. Um, you know, population 45,000 people. Um, wow. And medium income of $40,000. So if you look at that from a square footage per capita, it's an oversized property. We we bought it for six point seven million. We had an all in cost of eight million because we did two buildings of expansions. We sold that property as part of the portfolio for fourteen million bucks. Wow. Four That's and a half, wild. five years later. In <laughs> that is crazy. So a good friend of the show, Steve. He's asking, do you focus on specific areas like Texas, South Carolina, or do you look for deals in any area in the country if it's right? So that's a great question. Thanks, Steve. Um, so I, I go where I go undermanaged, underenhanced, underexpanded self-storage properties or mom-and-pop value-add. It can almost be anywhere but there has to be some economies of scale. I mean, I'm not going to go to Billings, Montana for 10,000 square foot. The numbers just don't work running it from here. Um, so it, there has to be you know, typically 30,000 square foot or better or 20,000 square foot or better with the ability to expand. Um, and, got to be easy to easier to get to there is some states that are not as pro-capitalistic as like texas is so i try i tend to avoid those states which will remain nameless but um outside (laughs) of that i'll pretty much go almost anywhere as long as the value is there how about his second question what about the rising cost of insurance and and increases in taxes, are they having a big impact like they are on multifamily? To plainly answer his question, the answer is yes. Um, we, we do, we're, we're blessed with being able to do a portfolio style insurance. So we get a larger cost savings that way. And the reason is, is like in some of the states we're in, you got tornadoes and bad weather and so on. Well, in every property, you're not going to get a tornado on the same day. So because of that, you're able to spread some of that risk out over the portfolio instead of to a single store. So we get 18 to 25% cost savings through the portfolio. But we are seeing insurance and taxes going up. But honestly, we underwrite for that. And for somebody that's a little bit more sophisticated, for every dollar of capital money that we have to put into it, it's one dollar 
off of the purchase price. It's almost dollar for dollar. So I'm not going to go in and pay $3 million for a property that I know the taxes are going to double next year when the state finds out what I paid for it. I underwrite the doubled taxes and I pay $2.5 million for it or I don't buy the deal. It's that simple. Yeah, that's that's that god what is the phrase um i I can't even think of it but just assuming the worst hey does this deal work if all this other stuff goes wrong and you've got to account for that before you close that deal which you're doing Uh, that's really cool his third question is what percentage of the portfolio uh steve invests i think he's got an open mind he would probably invest in anything if the deal was right. What percentage of a portfolio do you think should be in self storage? <laughs> Don't say a hundred percent. So, like, I'm biased, and Steve, you've known me long enough to know that I'm biased. And the only reason I'm biased is because. Um, I told you this, you were talking about 2008, 9, and 10, is, um, you know, I worked for the publicly traded company at the time, and our year-over-year sales dropped 2.5%. Now, the stock got beat up really bad because it's publicly traded, but the reality is the revenue didn't. So um, there's only been one year over year from eight to nine in our industry where we collected less revenue than the year before overall in our industry. So that's why I'm biased. I just want to, but for for me, like I've done single family in the past, I've done small multifamily in the past and so on. And to me, storage is so much easier because I don't have to, I I do evict people, but in a different way, but I don't have to evict people. I don't have to, rehab a whole apartment and so on, I take a broom and dustpan and sweep it out. So to answer his question, I would, like for me, 75 storage, 25 uh, other businesses. Um, that's what my portfolio looks like. Um, you know, I'm part owner of an insurance company, Home Life and Auto and marketing company and all these different smaller companies that help support storage. But 75% of my portfolio is storage. That's interesting. I've always said 25, 25, 50 because I'm prejudiced towards multifamily, but that's because yep. I didn't know self-storage until I met you. And, you know, now that number doesn't even make sense to me. It's like, should it be 50% self-storage, 50% multifamily? But I'd like to throw some senior living in there because I think that is going to just blow up in the next 20 years. Um, all right. Well, I appreciate you answering his questions. And Steve, thank you so much for freeing a friend of the show and a member of Total Wealth Academy. Uh, thanks for the questions. Anybody else that has a question, we're at the end of the show, but don't hesitate to go ahead and email me. If it's a question specifically for John, I'll forward it to him. Just fire me an email at steve at totalwealthacademy.com. Steve at totalwealthacademy.com. And no, I'm not going to put you on a mailing list. This is just an email directly to me. I open it, I reply to it, and it's over. So email me, steve at totalwealthacademy.com. 
Steve at TotalWealthAcademy.com. Now, you've got a deal coming up pretty soon, right? I just closed that one today. I do have a, a small deal that we're buying in Arkansas right now um, that is, I know this sounds obnoxious, but it's a smaller raise. It's like $760,000. Um, so I do have a deal coming up. I'm almost on the investor packet now to be Excellent. able to send out. We'll get that then, to me as soon as possible, I'm chasing, please. I'm chasing five deals here locally right now. I'm chasing three deals in, in uh, Montgomery, Alabama right now. So it, All right. Tomorrow You're at the end of the show. i got to cut you off. Thank you so much for coming on the show, John. That was a lot of fun. All right. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Have a great rest of your day. You've been listening to the Total Wealth Academy radio show. Please remember that this show is for entertainment purposes only and should not be construed as legal, tax, or investing advice. Always get a professional opinion before making any investment decisions. To find out more about coaching and consulting at Total Wealth Academy, visit TotalWealthAcademy.com and attend one of our free sample classes on real estate investing. Thanks for listening. Have a great day.